Well, uh, hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of After Further Review. Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey. Jeff Taylor, our producer, with us. And uh, making everyone happy, someone with actual knowledge, our good friend, uh, former college football quarterback, current Coast Guard Academy assistant coach, Derek Abbott, with us. Guys, thank you so much. Derek, thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much. Whatever. Thank everyone. I'm in a very thankful mood today. Um, uh, before we start uh, with, with getting into this game, which clearly ended uh, and played out exactly the way we all thought, <laughs> everyone said, uh, I, by the way, I did research today looking for anybody saying a Buccaneers blowout, and I couldn't. So if any experts go back, you, you're not going to find that. Nope. Um, before we get into anything, though, starting at my top left, so it's going to go Jeff, Mark, then Derek. How did you spend your Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, what kind of enjoyment did you have? I'm sure Mark traveled up and down the coast, spreading the disease as is his want. How did you spend your Super Bowl Sunday? Jeff, what did you do? I went over to some friend's house and watched it outside, social distanced, on the side of uh, their garage apartment with a projector. Excellent. You social distance, just like the Kansas City offensive lineman social distanced from the defensive lineman through most of the game. Mark, how did you watch the game? Just at home with myself and my daughter and my daughter's husband, Neil. And we had some nachos and we had some wings and, uh, you know, little uh, little adult beverages. We had a great time. We just uh, very low key. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Our friend Brian uh, said we're going streaking. Yes, there was a streaker, so it made me feel young, made me feel back to the 70s. Of all the people on this uh, uh, in this podcast right now, I think Mark is the most likely to have streaked at some point in time. Uh, Derek <laughs> Abbott, how'd you watch the game? What, what, what was your game day viewing like? I'm, uh, I made the uh, the Arctic trek. We got a uh, we got a snowstorm here uh, a couple of days ago or yesterday or whenever it was. I don't know. I just wake up and there's four inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> Welcome to the Northeast. So yeah, no kidding. Uh, there's a little little local bar uh, called Bird's Eye Cafe and right in New London. It's actually a Steelers bar. Um, it kind of reminds you of every of every bar I've ever been to in Pittsburgh with my grandparents. And it's just this little little place. Everybody knows everybody and. It was uh, it was an enjoyable time. Small small crowd, which is perfect because I get hot headed when I start watching football. I'm just <laughs> there were a couple of angry texts, I believe, uh, that there were that, that there came were. our way as sure. well. Boy, I tell you, Mark, you, Johnny, you had, about, you had guests over. Did did you not? You had guests. We had, over we had our house. friends, the cons, Chris and Zan, and uh, Zan's mom, who lived there in our kind of extended bubble. They get their teachers and get tested regularly, and so we social distanced at the house. Uh, I made. Uh, we had a taco bar set up, and then uh, and then Chris actually made some great wings as well. So it was a good viewing, if uh, if not a a good football game. Um, I, I let, let let let's just start here. I played my very, very first competitive football game on a team 11 on 11 uh, a little over 48 years ago. I'm sorry, 38 years ago. Good Lord. No, wait, four, well, how old am I? 50, no, 48. Oh, God, it's so it's so horrible even to think about it. Uh, Derek played in college, but he's been out of college for a while. Started high school football, I don't know, sometime in the 2000s. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> um, here's the thing that has not changed, Derek Abbott since those 48 years ago that I played, no matter how great your skill position players are, no matter how many toys you have on the outside, how many shiny things, if you lose the battle up front on either side of the football, let alone both, you are not going to win football games. And what we saw yesterday, we talked about Kansas City's uh, difficulties on the offensive line, 
but they were just manhandled up front. And frankly, you don't need to really go much further than that to talk about this football game. No, I think it, it starts and ends right there with their with the uh, with the Chiefs' offensive line. Really struggled to pass off some of the games that that Tampa really brought earlier in the game. Whether it was twisting and or looping guys. I mean, I think one play they brought like a corner and a nickel blitz off of one side. Um, they just did a lot of different things and and really just stressed those uh, those tackles. And I think they had three out of the five guys were. Um, were replacement guys. They weren't even starting guys. So that's difficult to roll into a game um, and do that, and especially a team that doesn't necessarily really run the ball a lot. Um, you didn't really see Kansas City run the ball or try to at least at all yesterday. And a lot of it was just Mahomes running around for his life. And, I mean, some of those throws, I can't even believe that, one, he got off. Two, it hit people in the face or hands. I mean, I, I, I have no time for people criticizing him today. I honestly, no, because I, you said it. He I, threw I, maybe yeah. two of the greatest passes in Super Bowl that. history. He is parallel uh, yeah, to the ground, parallel mm-hmm. to the ground, and he throws a strike to a spot in the end zone mm-hmm. right at an open receiver who missed the ball because there was a defender in his face, to, to, be, to be fair. But he threw a strike par- about a foot off the ground, parallel yeah. to the ground. You cannot do that. You Second know, it baseman, isn't, it, it isn't about talent with with it's, it's like the Beatles, John Pelkey. They weren't they weren't the most technically proficient musicians of their era. Obviously, there were better lead guitar players there were better rhythm guitar players, et cetera, et cetera. But they it's like Tom Brady. He's not the most proficient quarterback in terms of skill sets, no. but he gets it done. And yeah. yes, the line had a lot lot to do with that. But Derek, I think I'm right when I say this, that. They only blitzed four times, and yet they pressured him 29 times yeah. with just their four guys. Yep. And I don't think it's just because they got – because remember, one of their offensive linemen was out most of the year. Mm-hmm. The other one got hurt in the championship game, and, and, of course, then they had to do a lot of switching. But I'm not sure it's just because they were banged up on the line. Tampa it's, – it's Todd Bowles who should get yeah. co-MVP in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that you never see that before where a coordinator or a coach gets an MVP. But but yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it. I thought that, you know, Bowles was just going to run his stuff. And for the most part that they did, they brought a couple wrinkles here and there that um, might have confused Mahomes every now and then. I know the one early in the game where Mahomes misses the corner throw, um, he overthrows the guy. It was a look that they had gotten from Tampa in the first game where it was like this three high look. You call it like you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, it's basically like a Tampa two coverage, except instead of a right. middle linebacker, it's another safety. So call it three double out or super Tampa two, whatever you want to call it. But they gave him that look and he anticipated that he was going to have this throw and they really like rolled down. They brought the safety down and rolled into a completely different coverage. And I think it might've just thrown him off just a tad, but you know, those are the kinds of things that they had to do in this game that they had to, you know, I, I think we said it here that, you know, have six passes where you were going to affect the throw in some way or another, whether it's pressure, tip passes. Now, they did it 29 times, so they obviously <laughs> surpassed my um, – They did more than limit. six. Yeah, but, I mean, my goodness, the way that Todd Bowles and that secondary played and the way they just blanketed guys. And I think the most impressive thing, yes, of course, they're, they're – Front got their Vita Vey and Shaq Barrett and Devin White running sideline to sideline. Yes, like they obviously did a great job. But they're back in to not only cover the initial routes, 
but yeah. to cover the scramble drill routes because typically in a scramble drill those are set things that Holmes get out you have one play but you really have a second play if he gets out of the pocket so the way that they were able to adjust and cover that was was impressive without getting a holding call well the other thing that I saw Derek too and you know and I and I could be wrong uh, but I, I not you know Mahomes is great when he rolls out to to uh to either side on the run mm-hmm. they had a lot of success forcing him back first is getting mm-hmm. that pressure up front and now he's eight nine yards deeper than he normally is when he's scrambling and I yep. I, I just thought again it's it's what they those guys were able to do up front because you're right they did they did some creative things but they just I, I mean just man up on the Kansas City defense uh, they were they were remarkable I want to ask this question they had to do a lot of shuffling around Mark uh, alluded to it their starting offensive guard from last year's Super Bowl is a doctor in Quebec didn't even didn't even come down to play this year and then they had obviously unfortunate injuries as well they shuffled a lot of guys around and there was a question today that I thought was an interesting one because I think what they had to do is pull their right tackle and and move him to left tackle. And then a couple of other guys had to move around and they slotted somebody in. Uh, An interviewer asked a question and said, with communication being so important on an offensive line, which people may not know, might it have been smarter just to put the weak link in at left tackle and just head at it that way? Because it did seem at times, and again, I haven't played in the offensive line since 1972. Um, it, It did seem at times confusion on the offensive line even with the four guys rushing and doing stunts that yeah okay they're stunts but well four guys can only do so much stunting and it's obviously Mm -hmm. not something you haven't seen as a veteran before what are your thoughts on that that maybe just shuffling too many guys around caused a problem communication wise well that's such a major thing with the offensive line too I mean, it, getting a cohesiveness and an understanding of what every guy's move is and what every person, the guy next to you is going to do without even looking at them. And really sometimes without even truly speaking to them, just knowing what they're going to do, whether, I mean, you can give it a bump call, an out-out call. You can do all these different things where, you know, how to handle some of these twists and, and communication and, and knowing where these guys are going to be when, when a defense throws the kitchen sink at you. Um, and really anticipating it too. That's such a difficult thing. It's something that's practiced over, over and over again. I mean, with our guys here, I think we had like one whole week because the team that we were playing, you know, they love to run games up front. They love to run different twists and green dog stuff and, and loops. And it's like we took like 15 minutes of practice, almost like just of indie. I was like, we're, we're just doing nothing but communicating and talking about twists. And this is every look that you're going to get. They may not run it, but we need to at least have it in our bag that if it happens, <laughs> we're going to be ready for it. So those are the kinds of things that are so important up front. Um, and, you know, obviously those guys got beat one-on-one as well, not just not just from all twists and stuff, but the way that, you know, they were able to really deploy, you know, Vita Vea and, and those guys and, sending loop stuff like that loop stuff is tough man like when mm-hmm. you get a tackle like a one technique or something like that that's looping all the way to the opposite side of the to the edge like you gotta ha- you gotta have really great communication to be able to pick that up see it and adjust on the fly and sometimes you know you're just not gonna get it and you know derek it, you know we have to give credit as well to the defensive line oh, of yeah, the Bay Buccaneers. I mean, Sue played like he was a rookie or a second-year guy. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, to your point, they were overpowering that line. But I think part of it is that in the back end, 
you know, what I've read and heard is that they basically stuck to the to the cover two. And the way you beat, because there's two safeties. Two safeties mm-hmm. are going to be back there. Everything's going to be in front of them. Tyreek Hill will never beat you deep, essentially. And, yeah. and, and the way to beat that is to run the ball or to throw some underneath stuff. They were basically going to let their running game or even Kelsey beat them. They were saying, we can handle it if this is how you beat us. Do it this way. And you saw them adjusting back to Kelsey. Kelsey had some some good yards. But everything all of a sudden got on his shoulder and he dropped a key third down at one mm-hmm. point in time. And they couldn't really run the ball. And Tampa knew they couldn't really run the ball. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this is how you're going to – the only way we're going to bring our safeties down is if you make us do that via yeah. the run. And they couldn't do it. So it's almost as, it's almost as if as long as that line beat their man off the punch and as long as Tom Brady didn't throw a pick – Casey was going to have a hard time winning this game. And of course, this is all, yeah. this is all hindsight because all I said for this entire season is no one's going to beat Kansas City. Yeah, they just couldn't get into a rhythm offensively. Yeah. And, and there were certainly plays to be had, too. I mean, the, the play that we talked about um, that I actually sent it to you guys and, and they ran it against Cleveland where, um, you know, Ty, or Tyreek, uh, Travis Kelsey put. Uh, Denzel Warden a blender on that little whip route coming back in. I mean, it was like a mirror of the exact same coverage, the exact same concept, but Mahomes got flushed out of the pocket and had to throw the ball away. I think that was the one where he was like laying parallel to the ground. And if he gets the ball off, Kelsey might score just like he did in the in the uh, in the divisional round. I mean, it was the exact same look. It was just they there was plays definitely to be had that they just left out there that Mahomes just couldn't get the ball off and they just couldn't get into a rhythm. Mm. You yeah, we said that they played some of that like that two man stuff, but I think when and Bowles like really like threw the kitchen sink at him early in the game, and then I think once they figured that hey we can get there with four, we're gonna play cover six, we're gonna play quarters, we're gonna just play everything in front of us, and then uh, you know our rush is gonna get there. We're gonna basically take away all those secondary action plays, and that's how we're gonna win this game and. Uh, credit to him and that defensive plan because that was he pitched a no hitter. I mean, yeah, to do that. I mean, I no doubt. Nobody, has, nobody has seen that before. And the whole time I'm waiting for this game and waiting for that avalanche to just fall. And I thought it was yeah. going to happen right at halftime. They went down the field, they got some momentum, and then Tampa comes right back on on a couple calls that um, the pass interference was a holding call. Guys on lined up offside because. Apparently, D Ford is back playing for the Chiefs now, and he's lining up offside again. <laughs> I mean, Derek, that was an offside. E- even after those those uh, PI calls, which were you could argue, you they know, calling it t- close. They were calling they were. it close. I mean, the holding Kansas- call bothered me more because the ball got out so quick. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how you call holding on that. That was the one that bothered me more. Kansas City's pretty grabby, and they were calling They're, it tight. Yeah. but even if you take that away, two things. First. They held him to a field goal, except for the offsides, and then they scored a touchdown because they got a first down. So that was totally stupid. And then a lot of people saying today, and I do agree, why was Andy Reid taking two timeouts uh, at when there was you know first down and then second? It was third and two, and he took a timeout. Yeah, third and two. I think the thought process there is that, you know, you have the Golden State Warriors basketball team as an offense and you're just you got a little bit of momentum. Let's try and flip this game 
and get something cheap before halftime, and then we get the ball coming out in the second half. And I think that was kind of his way of maybe flipping it, and he banked on his defense. I mean, listen, this is a team that went like twenty-five and two in the last twenty-seven games. So I know, but a lot of you know what what no one you know what everyone fails to factor into that equation is that no one loves to score in mm-hmm. the last two minutes more than Tom Brady. Right. And yep. if you're going to call a timeout on him, it's it's almost like you're challenging him. A lot of people were saying th- they were content to go in at 14-6. Who wouldn't be content to go in 14-6 yep. at the half? And all of a sudden you're calling a timeout and it's third and two. Well, we're going to find a way to get to Gronk and get a first yeah, down. And, and then we're going to go down the field I and either get a PI or connect it. I knew that shot play was coming because so many times now in the league that you get all these PI calls. And when I first saw him dive, when, when I first saw him fall, I thought that he did it intentionally because he got beat and didn't want to give up a touchdown. That's what I thought. And then he, I just saw that he tripped and it was, you know, his yeah. feet got tangled up or whatever. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, I, I knew that was coming because so many teams now it's like, well, one of the three things can happen. We either catch it, it goes incomplete, or we get a PI call. Two out of the three things are yeah. pretty good. So I, I almost sense that I'm like, oh, here comes a here comes a shot play, just like they did in the week. Scotty before. Miller with okay. Green yeah. Bay. Same thing. I mean, it and, wasn't the same play, but yes. Yeah, even presence. with that, Derek, Kansas City stepped up and held him to a to a pretty long field goal, mm-hmm. and they were off. <laughs> it's it's like it is. It's D Ford. It's yeah. like what is wrong with you people? Well. I, I quote Catfish Hunter, my favorite quote about that, the sun don't shine on the same dog's ass every day. I mean, some days it's just not your day, and certainly for penalties, yeah. that would that was the case with them. Like I said, the holding call on the, you know, and I'm an old high school wide receiver. I mean, I believe there's interference on every play. Um, but uh, that holding call, it was like, that ball got out so quickly. That That's, that's a tough one to overcome. Yeah. Um, but let's, I, I want to jump on something else, though, because the Kansas City defense then allowed themselves right. to get worked up front and the running game for, yeah. for Tampa Bay started. So again, when I said, like I said in the beginning, it's bad enough to get worked on one side of the line, but really up front, which is where, again, it's the biggest cliche in football and it's the one that always holds. If you're losing the battles up front, you're losing the game. And they lost the battles up front then into the second half. And I'm sure the fatigue comes into play. There are a lot of different things. But uh, in that second half, Tampa Bay's ability to run the football at that point really kind of shut the door on Kansas City. Yeah, and they did a lot of different things that I had not seen Can- or uh, Tampa do before. Um, some really interesting stuff that I like, couldn't even believe it. Like they, It was so funny. Like I sent you the picture, and I, I tweeted it out as well, of Wilson golf balls. Um, they're like, as soon as Tampa won, they were like, Oh, buy our, these branded golf balls with the Tampa Bay logo on them. And the, and the, uh, and the golf balls are called duo. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever because that's the play that Tampa runs. That's what they hang their hat on. That's what I'm like. The marketing guy needs a, a raise. Oh yeah. Uh, big time just for that. And if he didn't do it on purpose, I mean, that's a hell of a coincidence, but I mean, like they, they it honestly looked like the 2018 AFC Championship game game plan from from the Patriots. We're going to run the ball. We're going to use play action. We're going to use Gronk a ton. They really struggled covering Gronk, um, especially in the scene. But like they they didn't run a pop pass all year. That was a New England play. They didn't do a lot of these things. Where I mean, like I think even on the touchdown, Antonio Brown, like Antonio Brown ran the wrong route, and Brady still threw a touchdown. Brown was <laughs> supposed to work in and then come back out. And he ran and he scored. So 
it was just like a culmination of like everything that's going well. I mean, they were pulling guards and tackles. Like they don't pull people. All of a sudden, like on the on the Leonard Fournette touchdown, they ran power. I haven't seen them run power in like 10 years. Mm. Like they, that's not something that they do. It was yeah. like these little wrinkles that I think like Brady and Leftwich just sat together and was like, hey, what do you like? What 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 wrinkle do you like here? And it was like the Jeff Hostetler game plan. <laughs> I mean, the whole game was. Yeah, and it's funny because you watch it. I mentioned America's Game, one of my favorite documentary series, and I think there's one. And I'm going to say it's Joe Gibbs because I remember those because as a as a Washington football fan. But uh, they showed a play he ran in the Super Bowl that worked, and said, you know, this wasn't the first time he'd seen this play. Three years ago in a Monday night game versus yeah. Detroit, they ran. And it's like they keep these things in the arsenal. And you have a guy, and when you have, you know, I guess really one of the things about having Gronk there was that he and Brady could fast track some of maybe these things they did in New England that worked and just mm-hmm. go to Byron Leftwich, who, who really deserves a lot of credit as well, to go to Byron Leftwich and go, hey, look, you know, here's something that they haven't seen that we that works really, really well for us. But um, yeah. the, the other thing I want to ask you, Derek, because there's a lot of this, I had to uh, I had to shut down my, um, my uh, cousin-in-law's wife who was uh, extolling the fact that Gronkowski is the greatest tight end in the history of the world, and the problem is with Kelsey is that he can't block. Well, Travis Kelsey is a great blocker. Is one of, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but they really did not use him. In that they did not add, they didn't give a lot of help to those offensive linemen. And today, again, in the rearview mirror, this is easy to talk about. But your feelings about that—that that they never really tried to go heavy and uh, and 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 slow those four defensive linemen down—was it a mistake? I mean, in hindsight, yeah, I, I don't know that if it was a mistake or not. You know, obviously, you're not in the building; you don't know what the what the overall vibe of, of the game plan is. But I. I thought maybe that they would go a little bit more of a of a like their hybrid twelve personnel, get another tight end out on the field, or at least like uh, one of their fullbacks. I believe uh, forty two. I forget his name, um, but getting another you know another some blocker in there, get six guys in protection, and then really when you go twelve personnel as Kansas City, you're really still in eleven personnel just because of the receiving ability for Kelsey. Because I think the thought process is like, okay, if we bring Kelsey in to protect, we're also going to now lose him in the pass game, and that's right. kind of favoring into Tampa's into, into Tampa's hands. So, you know, how can we get around it? And they were like, we're just going to stick to our stuff. Um, you know, their, their screen game just did not – wasn't there last night, and, you know, they, they were just waiting for it. I mean, and Andy Reid is a, one of the better – screenplay designers yeah um, like one of the best yeah but i mean it's like a go-to for him but when when you're not blitzing anybody and you're just getting home with four you can you can rally to that pretty quickly because you're seeing it it's in front of you and oh by the way when your linebackers are that fast sideline to sideline too those guys deserve a lot of credit they can stretch a play out as well as any linebackers in the nfl yeah man devin white is just sideline to sideline i mean it was like reminded me of watching like ryan shazier from a couple years ago Mm -hmm. when he when he would go from like you know the weak side backer and he's running down a toss play to the right side for a two-yard loss or two-yard gain like i mean man he could just freaking fly and it's so interesting because devin white got torched in the week 12 game against them it's just it just goes to show how much this team has adjusted throughout the course of the year and speaking about that uh to me the reason why they were able to adjust the way they did for the entire year and make the gains they had and start out seven and two and then lose three in a row and really be on the cusp of making the playoffs or not 
and then winning their last eight in a row comes down essentially to one guy. And it's Tom Brady, who I heard I heard it best today. He is the system. <laughs> he's not he's not a result of any system. He clearly is the system. He goes with his greatest winning percentage of any quarterback in the history of the of the NFL. He goes to an, uh, a franchise that has the worst winning percentage of any team, not just in the NFL, but in all of sports. And he yeah. wins a Super Bowl. He is the difference. He makes the players or he's not just a great player. He makes the players around him great. And not only that, he did a little LeBron James GM action by bringing in Gronk, by making sure Fournette was in there, and by bringing in A.B. I mean, he, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce Arians didn't want A.B. Bruce Arians yeah. wasn't interested in Fournette necessarily. And, and he was able to do all of those things and get those guys <laughs> to look like world beaters, and that's what they were. They were hot as hell. He went through Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes. Sorry, it's just the end of any discussion. With this guy, Taylor Heineke. I mean, you're forgetting Taylor Heineke, who gave them as much trouble as anybody, by the way. No, played better against them than Mahomes. Come on now. Don't no disrespect met met (laughs) to the football team. You you know, you bring up you you brought up a a good point, too. uh, And, you know, Derek, as a a former college athlete, you know, this, you know, uh, guys who get to that level are self-motivated. But but it doesn't hurt every now and then to get knocked down a peg. Uh, to to remotivate and I watched Leonard Fournette and how hard he ran in that game just yeah. punishing defensive backs and, and and I really think you know I get back to uh, the same things if you are more physical than the other team in the end most of the time that wins and I think that again it came yeah. down to Tampa was just more physical everywhere mm-hmm. on the field yeah, um, and I thought like like Len, uh, what would they call him? Playoff Lenny. He did this against the Steelers a couple years ago, and you know, and obviously in an AFC Championship game that they probably should have won in yeah. in Foxborough. Um, so, yeah, I, he ran the ball outstanding, finished runs hard, and then, like I said, I mean, they they switched up their run game. I mean, obviously they ran their inside zone, and then you know, duo. Um, so that's, that's what they do. But I mean, when you're, when you're pulling, I'm like watching a game and I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't seen these offensive lines numbers at all. Cause now they're pulling guys. Now yeah. they're, you know, GT power or counter or whatever it is. And I'm like, I've not, I haven't seen them do this before. Now I, that, that play, I'm sorry, Johnny, but that play for the first touchdown, uh, you know, because they could run the ball, because Ronald Jones was running well, because Fournette was running well, they could do play action. So they do a play action and Gronk goes, Goes to the you know goes to the uh, to the to the left side, and and gets that tiny little screen, and there's no one there. And that play I've rarely seen. You know what I mean? That is yeah. that seemed like a brand new play mm. that they yeah. that they brought in, and it was a great way to inaugurate the scoring for the Bucks. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Derek, is as a former quarterback and what Brady brings. I mean, obviously he brings you know the mentality on the field. Like you said, you know, he, he gets fiery, but you, Tom throws an interception. You don't see a guy like beating his helmet or going around. I mean, you know, he's got a little of that unitis where they always said throws an interception, throws a touchdown pass. You really can't tell the difference, but all of those things on the field. But I'm just wondering how much he can, can bring to, uh, to an offensive coordinator's room and the things that he can bring to a Byron Leftwich who's been dealing with a Jameis Winston who's a very talented guy, but clearly hasn't been in the league as long, hasn't had the success, hasn't had to work with 
um, a varying cast of people because, you know, you could look at Brady's skill position players in New England certain years where there was nobody you would ever know. And then they had the Randy Mosses of the world. And he had success with all of them. But to me, almost more than even the p- performance on the field, and I know this sounds weird, just what he brought to Byron Leftwich, A, a quarterback who knows as much about offense as the offensive coordinator, and B, some, a guy that he just doesn't ever have to really worry about. Yeah, well, I think the first thing that Brady brings before anything else is obviously a, a change in culture and mindset and and workmanlike attitude. Um, you know, when, when Brady walks into the building at whenever it is, 4.30 in the morning, whatever, I'm sure he gets there. And, you know, he's the first guy there. I'm sure that that's, you know, other guys are going, okay, maybe I got to get here at 4.30 in the morning. You know what I mean? Right. Um, those, those are the kinds of things that, one, that he just brings that just changes a culture, changes a mindset and a mentality really i mean obviously just tom brady being tom brady like that's that's usually just enough to right to get somebody's attention in a room but um really you know from a, a schematic standpoint you know he's been playing now for what 20 years he's seen so many different evolutions in games and defenses and and blitz looks and all these different things and it's like it's almost like looking through like it's 4d chess you know because Brady is like, oh, okay, like, you know, I got Byron might be like, okay, you know, this makes sense, this makes sense. But Brady's like, no, I've seen this before. He's tipping this because of this, 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 this. And then now it's like you kind of play off of each other. But I think that that majority of that offense was still the Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich offense, mm-hmm. but it had Tom Brady, New England like tweaks in it, right. just like the little play action pop pass. That That's a New England play. I mean, how many times have we seen Brady? Quick fake, yeah. take two steps and a drop, and then hit Gronk over the scene because, you know, somebody didn't pass it off. Like, I think Tyron Matthew didn't, and Sorensen didn't communicate on it because they had to play the run, you know. Um, even on that first touchdown to Gronk, like, Sorensen was the read guy. It was like a little, like a mini RPO, and Sorensen was the conflict defender, and Sorensen was like, okay, well, do I go cover Gronk or do I go fit this run because I'm a run-fitting player? So, it's like these little little nuances that Brady brings to an offense where it's like, hey, you know, I think that this this might work. We did this in 2007 or whatever it was. Yeah, and, and it, you saw actually a little bit of that. I don't remember what play it was because um, it wasn't taking notes at that point in time, but uh, they were going to send in a different package and Brady called it off. Brady was like, no, no, yeah. I don't want I don't want that. So to your point, I think Leftwich had one thing in mind and Arians and Brady was like, trust me, I'm out here. I know what we have mm-hmm. is what we yeah. need right now. This is no, very that was great. And then I think they scored a touchdown on the very next play. Yeah. And then right after that, Tom Brady is getting in the face of Ty. Tyron Matthew. He got in Tyron Matthew, Ty Matthew's head um, uh, uh, quite a bit. And you figure we, we talked about I Matthew. Loved, I love those images, Johnny. Oh, yeah. I love this 43-year-old, you know, just John. Well, I think one of the – And, and turning- Matthew is a pretty intense player. Absolutely. I think one of the turning points for me was Matthew had that interception on the on the ball that bounced up in the air. And I mean, he is just the guy for that. He's always around the ball. He makes those all the time. And then it was taken away because of a guess what? A penalty. And to me, that was kind of a that was kind of one of those moments where, you know, I don't think Ty Matthew would ever admit that he at any point in the game before the gun, he was like, it doesn't matter. We're going to lose. But that just seemed to me that that's when a little doubt crept into Ty Matthew, and he's the leader of that defense. They had six. They had six first downs from penalties. I mean, when you shoot yourself in the foot like that, you especially versus Tom Brady, you're asking yourself to lose. 
or you're just begging for it. The the amazing part about that, and I mean, I, I didn't understand it. Obviously, I'm not on the field, so I have no idea. How does Tyron Matthew get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty when Tom Brady chases him across the field like the streaker later in the game, <laughs> and Matthew gets the flag? Brady wow. chased him halfway across the field just to talk smack to him, and Matthew gets the penalty? Come on. Well, they, they probably figured Tom ran further than he'd ever run. So at that point, they owed something to him because, you know, he not the most athletic guy, but he it was it was just apparent to me that, uh, you know, and I wonder, uh, and Derek, you played against great players. I just wonder at a point um, when you see it's Tom Brady and then things like that are happening. It's just it's kind of like that. Hey, man, I was within two shots of Tiger Woods until the back nine. And that's just yeah. how it just and then he eagles something. And that's just what it seemed like to me. And, and, and you know, Pat, Patrick Mahomes made the point, And I think he is to be credited a lot. Uh, he made the point that, you know, until the end, he was fighting. He was standing in there when yeah. he was getting just that this the hit that sue put on him and at one point he was twisted around in, yeah. and just how he came out of that alive i don't know but uh he he i mean he deserves credit for keep fighting because there's for all of the uh, you know that he runs around and he he was like a fullback in there at times because i i didn't i wouldn't have stood there i didn't ask to come out frankly yeah. i think this is left. the team that's going to be back there next year and i wouldn't be surprised if this is a complete rematch once again yeah this game just because it, it, anybody that says anything different about Patrick Mahomes after this game, just they're not, it's, it shouldn't even be credited because some of the things that he did tonight, like that shouldn't even, or tonight, last night, um, some of the things that he did were just still out of this world. And I mean, yeah. he was playing hero ball for four quarters and, yep. you know, it finally caught up to him a little bit. No, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I've seen throws ever like that that I saw last night from him. And Patrick Mahomes has wowed me almost every time I've watched him. And he topped that last night. So, yeah, it wasn't about Mahomes being off target. He, You could argue he had two touchdown throws dropped because they hit the players either in the hands or the face mask yeah. or both. And, um, and those were on impossible throws, impossible throws. I didn't realize it was six penalty, six first downs off penalties. That's yeah. pretty significant. That's totally pretty significant in any drive uh, that gives you momentum. Uh, there was a fact that I think Romo brought up last night that 33% of the time, if there's even one penalty on a drive, that that offensive team has a chance one out of three times to yeah. score a touchdown if there's one penalty. Yeah, and I mean, so you can make the major, argument that that really made a difference. Yeah, two major PI Made calls. a difference in the first half. Yeah, made a difference in the first half, but the, in the end, the score is thirty-one to nine for crying out loud. Oh yeah, and yeah. and 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 yeah, that PI call on uh, Evans was perhaps a bad call, but like I said, it could have been seventeen to nine right. going into halftime if they didn't line up offsides. It wasn't even during a play. It just yep. seems to your original point, Derek. They were out of sync the entire game. They just didn't expect. The toughness, to John's point, or or the or the schemes, perhaps uh, of Tampa Bay. They, I, I think they panicked for one of the first times I've ever seen in a Pat Patrick Mahomes game. The Chiefs actually panicked instead of just shoring up and you know doing an avalanche of twenty eight points, which we all expected until deep mm -hmm. in the third quarter. I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you have those two pass interference ones, one the one that you know he obviously gets entangled with the with the receiver trips 
is what it is, whatever. The other one I thought was so bad. Um, I mean, that ball landed in Orlando. I mean, it's not even close to being catchable. And you you can't call that penalty in a Super Bowl where they just bump into each other and the, the ball gets thrown into the stands and you call a P.I. And that was, I think, third down. Yeah. So again, I mean, that results put the ball on the one-yard line, run the ball in. Now it's now it's game over or whatever yeah. happened. Gronk scored. I don't remember, but still, I mean, those are the kinds of things that just kill you. The holding calls, the lining up off sides. It's, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, yes, obviously it was a thirty-one to nine game. Not taking anything away from Tampa, but Kansas City did a lot to contribute to those thirty-one points by just self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, and uh, no one's surprised about the 31. It's the nine that's surprising anybody because mm-hmm. if you'd have told any of us that Tampa Bay scored 31, we'd have all gone, yeah, okay, well, all right, There's there and, you go. It's and a John, 38-31 game, right? <laughs> how about this, John? This is how, how much Vegas just has it rigged. <laughs> they don't build those hotels because they lose. They don't. Think about <laughs> this. Think about the idea of any one of us. And, Jeff, we have to point out that you were the one that predicted Tampa, so congratulations. Uh, and we need to give you love for that. But Jeff, Derek, John, if any one of us were to have said KC will be held without a touchdown, and you would have thought, geez, that's a 500 to 1 bet. What would that be in Vegas? KC's not going to score a touchdown. Yeah. It was 38 to 1. 38 to 1 was all it was. 38 to 1? Yeah. God. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know how they, they did it they either because I thought rigged, it would be Johnny, like two hundred. They haven't rigged. <laughs> they it's the, it's some the Illuminati. Off. It's the Illuminati. I'm telling you, they're actually paying that doctor up in Quebec not to play this season because they 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 had it all worked out. It it absolutely all happened in the back of a pizza parlor somewhere. But we'll get into that a, a, a little bit later on. Uh, yeah, you know, you made you, you made the point. Both of these teams coming back next year. Um, the only issue that Kansas City, I think, you can see is they're going to run into Mark is that they're going to have to start paying people soon. And that we saw what that did to Seattle, because I think that's one of the, the big parts of their downfall is you have to start picking who you get rid of. But to that point, Derek, if you are Kansas City and you did have offensive line issues, you do have to accept that the one place that you're probably going to need to have to improve if you want to be a dynasty is you're going to have to develop something of a power running game, how, however, you, whatever you can find. If, if you're the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, is that where you're going now? Are you looking at it and saying, we've got all of these shiny things, but the one thing we don't have is dominance up front. That's what we have to focus on now. Well, I think obviously the offensive line is going to be a focal point um, in the draft and possibly even free agency. Um, obviously getting Eric Fisher back after that torn Achilles is obviously going to help. Um, but, yeah, you know, any way that you could make your football team better. Now, there's 400 different ways to build a football team. And, well, I mean, there's really two main schools of thought is that you either built through the draft or you built through free agency. I mean, look at Tampa. They've built primarily through free agency with the exception of, you know, Mike Evans, who's been there and, and – um, Lamonte David. And, I mean, those guys have been in Tampa, but Brady, AB, Gronk, all those guys are free agent or free agents, or they brought in or they traded for. With Kansas City, I mean, a lot of those guys are homegrown guys, uh, like Sammy Watkins. I think they got from uh, the Rams. I want to say, hmm. but a lot, a lot of these guys have been there. I mean, that they drafted, you know, Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Houston. Oh, Watkins, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. Drafted by Buffalo. I know that. Yes. So. Uh, but I know that he had a brief stint with the Rams. Yeah. Um, prior to the uh, prior to coming to KC. But yeah, those are like I, 
obviously they're going to probably try and address the offensive line. I think that's a bigger part. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a really good back. Um, I mean, he kind of disappeared in the, and I think he, he has little. injuries as well uh, midway through the year. But I mean, that's just kind of who Kansas City is. I mean, you're going to have to not entirely live and die through Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, he is the focal point of their offense. I mean, it's not like, you know, you think of like Brady and Russell Wilson in the early years or even Ben where, you know, they weren't the focal point of that team or the reason why that they won Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes right. is the, the Steelers are a power. The Steelers yeah. are a power running team. That's who they are, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's where I mean, like Mahomes is the focal point of them getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl last year. It wasn't the case with Brady. It wasn't the case with with that's uh, true. With Will or with Wilson or Roethlisberger, like he is the dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're building around the dude. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I like I said, I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Just build up the offensive line, maybe sure up the the linebacker spot in uh, on defense as well. Yeah, I, I just think they're yeah to your point. They're just going to have to address that because there there is a point. And again, what was the other thing we talked about is that their red zone offense would, would would sometimes sputter because they just didn't have that. I agree with you with Hilaire because there were a couple of runs yesterday where it looked like maybe he was going to shake okay. loose, and yeah. that's when we thought they were going to flip the switch. I think part of the problem is, and I know this is just starting to get into esoterics and you can't get into people's heads, is the fact that Mahomes has been magic so many times. That the one time he's playing well, and I think I give him a solid B for his play yesterday. Missed a couple of throws early, but for the most part, I mean, he's running for his life the whole time. But uh, needs something just to take a little bit off of his shoulders at some point that maybe uh, that that may be the thing. All right, Derek, we are going to let you go here in a minute. But I did want, because Mark gets mad at me that I don't do trivia, and I, I refuse to ever do progressive trivia again just because I said I wouldn't, and that's how I am. But I do have some interesting Super Bowl facts, and I want you to hang out for just a second because one of them um, is is pretty darned interesting. And since you're a Coast Guard Academy assistant coach, you're going to find this interesting. Mark, I'm going to ask you this question. In the Super Bowl era, which college has scored the most points? Now, you only get points for field goal kickers and guys who score the touchdowns. Quarterbacks don't count. You're throwing a touchdown pass. I know, Derek, that makes you sad, but you don't get credit for those. You only get it if you're the guy who steps over the goal line. Which college has scored the most Super Bowl touchdowns? Coast Guard. It, what's that? Coast Guard. It is not the Coast Guard Academy. <laughs> the Coast, But we'll get to them because they figure, they figure into three things. You, uh, me, and Mark's deep dive. Uh, it's not USC, correct? It is not USC. They are not in the top five. Notre Dame is not in the top five either. They're fifth. Um, this kind of makes sense, Mark. Let me give you a little bit of a hint. Alabama. Uh, <laughs> that'll come up later, but no. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, think in terms of the fact that you know scoring increased later in the Super Bowl era. Mm-hmm. So, right. Steve Carriker so, guessing Penn State, by the way. Uh, Penn Ohio State is State? second. Penn How about State Ohio is, State? Ohio State does not figure in the top five. Penn State is second, Steve Carriker. Nice vote. 81 points scored uh, by uh, uh, Penn State. Uh, most of it by Robbie Gould, the Barr brothers, and Franco Harris. Uh, that's pretty is much it. Is it a Division it. One school, or is it a division? It is a Division One school. Yes, it is, Mark. I'll give Jeff a guess at this, too, Jeff, if you want to chime in. Oklahoma State. <laughs> wow, I'm a big cowboy fan. That's not Oklahoma State. Jeff, what do you think? 
Uh, Penn State. Thurman. Nope. Steve Kerker gets Penn State. They are second. It is actually the Miami Hurricanes. I was. Uh, I, I, I was. Well, I should have. But I, I, I just missed that. it because you know. Eighty-four my- points uh, total in in Super Bowls. Uh, Penn State eighty-one. Right. Only a only a Robbie Gould field goal behind, and he'll play till he's old. I mean, he's going to play as long as Adam Vinatieri, so we, he might have a chance again. Interestingly, Miami though, uh, twelve points in Super Bowl two. Bill Miller. The end for the Raiders, uh, Oakland Raiders, scored two touchdowns in that game. So they got on the board early. Now, I brought I bring Irvin, up, obviously. by the way, Arizona jumped uh, 12 points from 42 to 54 and hopped over a bunch of teams thanks to Gronkowski's two touchdowns in the game uh, yesterday. But I wanted to bring up um, uh, this one. Uh, no college, by the way, uh, has scored 16 points. Tony Frisch and Garo Yepremian have scored uh, 16 points total, so they did not attend college. Um, the University of Alabama has never scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl game. Interesting. Despite the fact oh, wow. that uh, three of the first four MVPs were Alabama quarterbacks, two of them being Bart Starr, the other being Joe Namath, no Alabama player has ever scored a touchdown. They have no points in the Super Bowl. However, the Coast Guard Academy has one point in the Super Bowl, and it was uh, the point after on the Mike Bass blocked field goal touchdown in Super Bowl Seven. Kurt Knight, the kicker for the then Washington, can't say it, uh, kicked that. He is a Coast Guard Academy alumnus and the first oh. NFL football player I ever met. And uh, Mark... 1972, your deep dive year, Kurt Knight of the Coast Guard Academy has yes. scored more Super Bowl points than Alabama. How hence, about that? How about that? Success in the Super Bowls, eh, better for uh, for Coast Guard players, really, than Alabama players. It's going to yeah, be my I new mean, recruiting Alabama, <laughs> yeah, nice work. That's good. Uh, before we let you go, Derek, too, I, I do, I do want to get your take on this idea <clears throat> That not only is Tom Brady the system, that it he wasn't he could have benefited from a system, certainly in his formative years, but he now is the system. He and LeBron James are really the only players of note that are legendary players one and have gone to different you know, different teams and because of their presence, one, I guess you could argue Peyton Manning, but I think that's a weak argument with the Denver Broncos. Uh not only that, but he has won more Super Bowls than any other franchise. He's now beaten Pittsburgh and beaten New England in terms of numbers of Super Bowls. Does anyone ever touch this guy in terms of these kinds of numbers? And I know you, you may never, never want to say never, but isn't this argument locked and thrown away? in terms of he's the greatest quarterback and there's no, it's because of him. It's not because of anything else. It's because of him. Oh, it's hard to make that, obviously that judgment in a team sport, but I would, he's obviously the greatest quarterback of all time. That's unquestioned door shut. Not even close. Um, Obviously my, my, my number two is always going to be Joe Montana, but, and then really everybody else. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be really hard to beat. I mean, uh, Romo talked about it with Mahomes. He's like, well, he's got to win eight. I'm like, I don't even know that he's got to win eight. Now, the thing is, is if they, if they go back to the Super Bowl next year and Mahomes beats Brady again, or he beats Brady, maybe that door is open again. I don't know. I mean, but 
that that kid in Kansas City is pretty freaking special. Some of the things that he could do. Not saying that he's ever going to have the amount of championships as Brady, but I mean that that team's going to be around for a while. But yeah, that that door shut. I mean, he's up there. I think with, with Gretzky and Jordan and just unmatched Tiger Woods. Yeah, even like kinda... and be like Babe Ruth, even a name like that. You know, because yeah. Babe Ruth, all the home runs, and then he was the best left-handed pitcher in the American League as well. You know, it's that's kind of as if Brady was also an All-Pro safety at the same time. So I don't think we're going to see that. But yeah, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any more. And I heard that argument today too, Mark, where it was like LeBron James because he can he can go somewhere and just bring that cachet mm-hmm. with him that other other people can't i derek uh, all season it's been it's been great we uh let's let's dive into some uh draft talk because that'll be here uh sooner than later and uh mm-hmm. and 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 we'll just catch up again thank you so much folks uh former college quarterback uh the pride of freedom high school right down the road here in uh in orlando and now an assistant coach at the coast guard academy which has had more success scoring in the super bowls than the mighty alabama crimson tide so you know maybe they're overrated a little bit Derek, thanks brother we appreciate it thank you guys for having me all right just great stuff and it's just you know again uh, mark it's so clicheic you lose the battle up front in football games. Really nothing else matters in the end. And particularly if you lose on both sides of the football. And that's what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs. And neither you nor I expected it. We were both at halftime. Man, they're going to flip the switch. They oh, will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I was totally expecting it. And you're right. If if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any time and Tom Brady has all day, <laughs> we know what's going to happen. And that's yep. what happened. Uh, Mahomes was pressured 29 times and Brady four yeah so yeah johnny i mean that that's what it is it was lost and, there how many know, guys i don't we, know I, why how we got the delay i was going how many guys have said uh said to us uh nfl players watch the offensive line first two or three offensive series offensive and defensive lines and that's how you can predict who's going to win the game and it was pretty obvious early on that up front tampa bay was superior highly yeah. superior yeah, there's no doubt about it. And um, Tom Brady has, you know, think about it. It was 10 months ago or 11 months ago at this point in time. It, it was shocking that he was leaving New England. It was even more shocking he was going to who? The Bucks. Seriously, yeah. the Bucks haven't won a playoff game since 02, haven't been in a playoff game since 07, have the worst winning percentage of any team in the history of the National Football League. He's going there? Really? But how many people, people, Mark, how many people started arguing and it started, you know, I stayed with Kansas City in a three point, a little three point victory and all that. But how many people were starting to argue and get Colin Cowherd, who we often talk about on this uh, on this show that Tampa Bay actually may have a better roster soup to nuts than do than, than does Kansas City. And I think he looked around and it's a reminder, Mark. Of we talked, uh, you know, because we don't want to talk about anything that happened while most of our uh, listeners were alive. Um, about when when uh, Vince Lombardi went to Green Bay, they'd won one game the year before, and like seven guys or eight guys on that team that won one game ended up in the Hall of Fame after Vince Lombardi took over. And it's just there are these transcendent people who can, you know, r- raise you up above, 
you know, where uh, where other people can. And I think uh, Brady Brady is just one of those guys. All right, want to talk? And, and I think before you go, I'm sorry, I want to just no, button okay. that up with that he not only raises the standard of play with his fellow teammates, he raises the standard of coaching. I think yeah. Todd Bowles coached his best game last yeah. night. I think Bruce Arians became the kind of coach where he let his offensive coordinator and his quarterback really dictate the terms of the game, and he just managed the situation. I think he was able to 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 bring that to the table as well, and I just think it's uh, – no matter how many accolades this guy's going to get, I I still think we're going to underrate him in the end. Somehow we're going to underrate Tom Brady and the and how he was able to accomplish all of these things. Yeah, I you're you're, you're probably right. All right, we had the class of 2021 uh, uh, into the Hall of Fame, and as you know, um, I agreed with most of them uh, of, except Peyton Manning because again, you know, he won one we. Denver overcame Peyton Manning to win that. I no, just, I agree. Talk I agree. about your he, compiler. He, he's um, the reason they lost the first Super Bowl. <laughs> it's it's so. I, I mean, he could have caught that first. You know, I yeah. mean, look oh. look what Tom Brady did. You yeah. know, with he, that high and, snap, he didn't, didn't get a safety. He fell. He didn't get a safety. No, he did no. not get a safety. Wasn't snapped wasn't. into the end zone, but still, ah, you know. You know. Uh, I details, think those are details. side by side, side by side. When NFL Films is doing a thing, you know, that's the difference between Manning and Brady. And they show those two plays, and then show that Manning lost. I don't know what did they lose that Super Bowl. What was the score of that game? One hundred and four to three. Yeah, it was. It was not a good. It was a, just a blowout. And Brady happened to him, and he, and he won the game. But Alan Fanica, Calvin Johnson. Nice to see Calvin Johnson. Only yeah. nine years. But Megatron was a monster in those nine years. Boy, talk about ending up in the wrong situation. It's sad that we never saw him on a contender because he was the man. Um, John Lynch, I'll argue that Darren Woodson probably deserves to be in before John Lynch, but we'll give him that. Peyton Manning has mentioned Bill Nunn uh, and Charles Woodson um, adding yet another mission gander uh, as they begin to uh, pile up the numbers uh, into the – I believe Charles Woodson now – means that Michigan and Ohio State have exactly the same number of players in the, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think they have eight apiece. Um, but I want to – two that really, really made me happy, and I'll start with Drew Pearson, even though he played for Dallas. Uh, you can't tell the story of professional football in the 1970s, and I love this as a bar for Hall of Fame without bringing up Drew Pearson and, and, and what he did. And I think he's a guy who got overlooked an awful lot and one in a long line of great Tulsa wide receivers, by the way. And Joe Feisman's teammate in high school up in Saddle River, New Jersey. Um, but I, I, I really think Drew Pearson deserved to be in. And I know he was very devastated last year when he didn't get in. And the other one is Tom Flores, and we've talked about him. Yep. He coached two teams to championships. He upset yep. a, a much – the first team to ever – first wild card team to ever win a championship. And then in Super Bowl 18, that yep. Washington team was better than the Super Bowl 17 team. They were an incredibly dominant football team. And they made them look bad. 38 to nine last team to score nine in the Super Bowl at, uh, in Tampa, that Washington team. I'm very, very happy for Tom Flores. It's so surprising that Flores. Yeah, I would. I loved that. I couldn't believe it took him that long to get him into the Hall of Fame. And, and frankly, I think Jim Plunkett should be following suit. Oh, Jim Plunkett yes. was the quarterback for both of those victories. And and that's just inexplicable. And I and I don't know if it's this Raider bias because of everything that happened with Al Davis and and Pete Rozelle, but uh, yeah, I was really happy to see Tom Flores, who was a, a pretty distinct underdog in both Super Bowls. 
and both of them they won going away. Oh, by the way, yeah. in nineteen eighty, uh, the night after the nineteen eighty season and after the nineteen eighty three season. Yeah, first Latino coach to win a Super Bowl. Yes, finally in the Hall of Fame, Derek. You're absolutely right. Also, uh, won Super Bowls as a as a player, a coach a player, an assistant coach, and a head coach. And there are only a couple of guys, I believe, uh, like that in in Tom Flores. All right, Mark, more uh, more interesting facts for you, just to keep you keep you into the show, because I know you, you know, you kind of dive out if there's not enough trivia in the show. 68 different schools were represented uh, on the rosters of the teams for the Super Bowl, Mark. 68 different universities. Uh, number one, I would let you guess. Do you want to guess at number one, or I'll tell you, because I'm just going to bring up a couple of interesting facts from some I'll other say Miami. Uh, it is not the University of Miami. In fact, um, I, I all the teams for three or more I, I, I wrote down here in Miami, not among those. And I think in terms that's, of the game last Alabama. night. Yeah. Alabama? Uh, Alabama actually is also not in the uh, – not in the uh, – Texas Three Tech. or more. Nope, Texas Tech not there. Uh, Texas A and M has three players in. Uh, number one is uh, nope. Oklahoma State is not there as well. Uh, LSU actually, uh, Louisiana State six players, including the aforementioned Leonard Fournette, who had a, had a terrific game. Um, next, uh, your next four are Clemson, Iowa, and Michigan. No huge surprise there, Mark. Michigan players. Uh, obviously get better when they leave uh, college because uh, clearly with Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor, they're never going to win anything. You know, they'll win eight games in the, in the Poulon Weed Eater Bowl. But beyond that, that's kind of the, where the ceiling is. Um, Iowa, not surprising. Offensive lineman, we would probably suggest. Corn that, fed. Uh, yep, suggest that Kansas City look that way in the offseason. And Clemson, that makes a great deal of sense as well. There's one other team. LSU had six. Clemson, Iowa, and Michigan had four. There's one really surprising team that also had four. They figure in higher than Minnesota, Mississippi State, Nebraska, Penn State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, all with three. But one Division one team? It is a Division one football Stanford. team. Stanford. Directional school. It is a directional school, Mark Ferreira. Not uh, a major conference directional school. We talked about one of the players scored a touchdown in yesterday's game, for gosh sakes. Uh, is it North Carolina? No. Um, I don't consider North Carolina directional, Mark. Oh, I no. But South Florida is a directional school? Yes. <laughs> So North Carolina is not South Florida it, is. Well, if it was North North Carolina, then it would yes. be. Yes, Northern North Carolina. North Carolina. Eastern North Carolina would have been fine. Eastern Carolina would work. Yeah, East Carolina would be. There is no Eastern. East Carolina would be fine. Uh, is it Gronk? Is it Gronk School? No, Gronk went to Arizona, as I mentioned That's earlier. Right. They, they hopped up on the list. And where did, they, where did AB go? Central Michigan. Well done, Mark Ferreira. Central Michigan had four players in. That's one of those, you know, that's one of those programs that, and, and I'm just, I'm putting this out there because how much I love college football. It's one of those programs that over the years, you would joke if they were in a bowl game, you'd make fun of it and say, why would anyone want to watch that? Central Michigan is a good program that turns out very, very good football players. Also should point out uh, that uh, both uh, James Madison and the Ivy League had two players each in uh, Ivy League, both players for Tampa Bay. So clearly, Mark, smarter players are what you really, really want. And uh, uh, James Madison, I have to throw it out, spending having spent some great weekends in Harrisonburg, Virginia. James Madison with two players in there as well. Of course, they have, uh, as um, one of their alumni, Charles Haley, 
who uh, prior to Tom Brady was the guy we talked about who was you know seemingly always in the Super Bowl. I think you know five and what nine years or five and eight years, something like that for Charles. Very Haley. close. Yeah, it was uh, from '88 to uh, '95. Yeah, from '88 to '95, he he won five Super Bowls. Oh, by the yeah. way, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're very kind, John. You said to me, "Well done, Mark Ferreira." Even though you had said this one scored a touchdown, you had already mentioned Fournette at LSU. You told me Gronk went to Arizona and KC didn't score a touchdown. So the only other touchdown. Well, I gave you the I gave you the Rom I gave I gave you the Romney Clambake type uh, type of uh, clue where you know I just want to get out of here and get home early, so I'm going to give you the the answer so that uh, so that I can do that. But I thought that was really really interesting. Uh, again, not not surprised at uh, LSU, but that that you know a little central Central Michigan is turning out some pretty good football players. Uh, maybe the best wide receiver if you could ever get his, you know what together. Uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, also, uh, what you, you brought up the fact about uh, Tom Brady, and it came out today. And now, again, I don't know. You know, I'm just going by what I believe to be credible sources that the two teams that were the only two teams that really expressed a great deal of interest in Tom Brady were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And oh my I goodness, know. how football would have yeah. been different. The San Diego Chargers. Oh, I I heard the San Francisco 49ers. San Diego Chargers, apparently, and Tampa Bay were the two that pushed hardest. Boy, oh boy, when you talk about dominoes, if Tom Brady had gone there, Justin Herbert, who just won Offensive Rookie of the Year, and yes. deservedly so, um, he wouldn't have been there. What would then happen to the coaching tree? It's amazing how these dominoes could fall. We're expecting some to fall with Carson Wentz now rumored to go to either Indianapolis or Chicago. But if Tom Brady had instead gone to the San Diego Chargers in the same division as Kansas City, they wouldn't have made the Super Bowl. Though that team does have a very good roster as well. They do. And that would have been very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, who knows? You're absolutely right. Who knows what would have happened? It's it's amazing. I you know, I there wasn't a lot of love for Tom Brady leaving New England. Certainly mm-hmm. he was sort of semi shuttled out the back door. Right. And other teams there. reached out for him. But those were the two who came forward with offers who, that were like, yeah. we, the, uh, we want to make a deal. And Brady was, uh, you know, he 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 was looking at both of those two teams. Well, and you can see how smart he been. is because of their rosters. Yeah, I mean, both of them would have been a good fit. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Tampa Bay did not have a very good defense last year until, like, the last five, six games of the season. Tom Brady's the kind of guy who looks at it and says, oh, wow, they're starting to figure out the last six games of the season. Look at them. They're only going to get better. And look at the hell. They have two all-pro wide receivers already on the team? Yeah. The hell, I'll bring Gronk. We'll get Fournette. Right. I'm if sure the defense- I can get AB halfway into the season. Let's, if let's, it- let's roll. If the defense can limit it to 27 points a game, we'll go, you know, 11 and five because with all of these uh, pieces in place. Yeah, just uh, interesting, interesting stuff. Certainly did not play out the way any of us thought it was going to play out. And uh, I, again, I'm going to look, well, I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to find somebody to give credit to who would say Tampa Bay in a blowout because that was, that's the least, despite what all the love you want to give uh, to Vegas and, and the wise guys, nobody saw that one coming. Not even Jeff, who predicted Tampa Bay. Nope, he did. He he believed in Tom Brady, I, and that and I, again, I did say I did say that that front four for the the Buccaneers was going to be a problem, and there was a potential for them to stop Kansas City. I sure did. Yes, you did, and that was. I did precious. not. I, I will say this: I wasn't the guy that thought it was going to be a blowout. I didn't think they would stop them 
I don't think anybody, why would anybody, you know, again, given the information we had going into it, you're just being a contrarian if you say that. And there may have been those people, Tommy boy, gonna, you know, that sort of thing. But honestly, if you looked at it objectively, good. like I said, people made some great arguments for the Buccaneers. And I started to kind of waver a little bit on that. But anybody who honestly was making an objective, they're going to blow them out. I'm sorry, come on. Come on. Casey needs well, Casey needs to grab a weapon. One more weapon. They need it. <laughs> yes, maybe I'm, right. I'm telling you. An all pro uh, yeah, guard. They, they need another. They need one more weapon. That's what really kept them from being able to score last night. Was well, they they bottled up Tyreek. They bottled up uh, Kelsey. Kelsey and there was nobody else. McCauley yeah, Hardman you, is not going to do the trick. You got to have five guys to block. I mean, they can only send so many guys out. And I mean, they, they, they sent plenty of guys out. I, I, I focus on the, I'll go to look, look four Iowa guys playing in the game yesterday, make it five next year. Look at Wisconsin. Just, and, and that was who uh, Tampa drafted first round was an offensive lineman. So they yeah. drafted an offensive lineman. They brought in Gronk. They already had two all pros. Defense was getting better. And they brought in Fournette and it, AB and you know, then they had Tom Brady. So now, Jeff, I have to ask you, and if Derek's still listening, I know both of you, I think, have the same sort of feelings toward the city of Tampa and the area of Tampa Bay. Uh, They now uh, are world champions in hockey and world champions in the National Football League and got to the World Series in Major League Baseball. They are arguably the, the, you know, the city of champions. Title town, baby. Um, Yeah, yeah, title town, USA. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll say it like this. The the hurricane every once in a while makes that weird turn and goes and hits Tampa. <laughs> That's what happened. It went a weird way and the titles hit Tampa, but then it'll be another 45, 50 years before it oh. happens again. So we're good going forward. I don't, I don't, I don't know that you're calling it Champa Bay now. Steve's pointing out. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause I think the lightning are still going to be good for a while. And, and, and the race to, to your point the race, the, 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 the Rays may have to drop up a little bit because they generally have to, and, and we've already seen them lose uh, lose some talent, but they just, that's too good. And and, uh, and honestly, most of these guys are going to be back for another run in Tampa Bay. So to, to Derek's point, a rematch of the Super Bowl is not um, is not an unlikely scenario. Where did Blake Snell go? He left Tampa. Where did he go? He went to the National League. I forget where he went. I don't he, think he went to the Dodgers, did he? I think he went to the Dodgers, didn't he? Well, Trevor Bauer, did you see that Trevor over Bauer, the weekend yes, as well? Yeah. Went to the yeah, Dodgers the, as well. The Dodgers have a filthy rotation, but... Uh, they have a filthy lineup as well. It's a joke. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not a very funny joke, in my opinion. It's literally, it's literally, if you don't win five more World Series, then went you have... Went to the Padres, a, actually. He you have a choke. Oh, yeah, there we go. Well, They're that's loading what they up. have to do. They're loading up. They had to get another ace to to match Blake Snell, and they did it. They went out and got Trevor Bauer. Unbelievable. Yep. Yeah, so the absolutely. two two of the two of the best pitchers in the American League are now in the National League West. Neat. Yeah. Neat. I'm <laughs> yeah. looking forward to this season. Yeah, you had a nice run, Mark. Don't don't be. We, you know what? You're right. And you I'm had not a good greedy. run. You had a really Very great run, run given no, where no. they had come from. Yeah. Um, not many people win three World Series in a, in a decade. Uh, uh, one, one thing that I failed to do last week, uh, Fred Van Vliet of the Toronto Raptors, uh, threw down 54 against the Orlando magic, setting the record for most points by a Raptor player in a game. I'm not back to do doing a game for another six days next Sunday night. I think we have the T wolves, but uh, congratulations to Fred 
for uh, putting down 54 on uh, the Orlando Magic as they uh, continuing to struggle a bit are the Magic. Um, but that's it. That's the Super Bowl post-Super Bowl edition. I mean, I don't know what else you can you can talk about. Build your teams up front, Mark. That's what I say. Well, we'll talk about that in 1972. We'll talk about what uh, the Miami Dolphins did actually that year, coming off that horrible loss to the Dallas Cowboys in January of 72. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Summer Olympics, although a lot of that's coming up in part three, to tell you the truth. Part two uh, goes from May through August, but there's some uh, there's some firsts there as well. And we'll get into it. And it'll be a lot of fun. Did you happen to watch any of the golf yesterday? Speaking of some firsts that we'll we'll cover in 1972. Did you watch uh, Kepka? You watch Kepka do the uh, waste management open in Phoenix, Arizona at all? It was a pretty good tournament. I pl- I flipped it on for just a couple of minutes here and there, but then I was uh, I was preparing stuff for the for the big uh, Super Bowl uh, thing. I had food going and taco. I you got your taco bar. Go- you got the taco bar going absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Brooks Kepka who struggled, struggled, struggled mightily, and he comes off with the with the win yesterday. Uh, and the eagle it. on seventeen was nuts. Was nuts. It was like uh, ninety four from the rough, and yeah. it was a beautiful shot. I did see the highlights of that. It was a it was a great shot. Also, Jeff, I want to uh, say thanks so much for. Um, uh, the Grateful Dead podcast that you told me about. Uh, my only my only complaint about it is uh, it left me wanting more. And if I don't want to give it away to anybody, but I think it would leave everybody wanting more by the end. But it was really, really well done. Really That's interesting. Good. Yeah, it was. And also, I have to finally admit that I'd never watched my Modern Family. And uh, day before yesterday, Jody and I gave in to Modern Family. I don't know why it wasn't anything against it. it maybe up against something else we were watching and we watched for six and a half straight hours. So clearly uh, that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to watch some more modern family. It's very good show. Brilliant. Very funny. And you know, who's uh, playing on the opening uh, music every time it says skip intro and, and uh, you don't, if you, if you don't skip the intro, is it, it's on Netflix, right? Uh, it is on Netflix. Our good friend, Tom Marino. That's right. That's yes. right. Tom Marino's playing on that. I'm not sure he gets any residuals for after they sold it to Netflix, but hopefully he gets some. Yeah. Well, you know, when they you. sold it, they probably got some. And then oh, I'm sure. Get any now. I'm sure. And then it'll move over to it'll probably move over to the new NBC Peacock screen streaming at some point. So we'll get through as many as we can. Ty Burrell, maybe my favorite physical comedian I've seen in an awfully long time. I mean, it's just really, really funny stuff. So if, you have, if you've never watched it, I highly recommend recommend it. A we movie love the physical you, comedians. I, why I, you never cared for me. That's exactly true. Yes, absolutely. It's just, it's just not, you know, it's not, it's not a strong point for you. It's not a strong point for you. It's not a strong point for me either. I was just saying it's not, but Ty Burrell, very, very funny. And also a very sad movie experience. Uh, finally gave in to the only living boy in New York because I love that song so much. And the movie's just not good. Not good at all. Did hey, you see it? You're not talking about normal heart. No, I'm talking about the movie called The Only Living Boy in New York. Okay. That's why I referenced the movie The Only Living Boy in New York. I understand, but Normal Heart. If I wanted to talk about the movie The Normal Heart, I would have mentioned the movie The Normal Heart. I get that, but The Normal Heart is it me? The Only People? Living Boy in New York City as one of the main through lines musically under it. So I thought I you may have, been, may have been referring to that. But how dare I assume that you made any sort of referencing mistake? In the in the normal in the normal heart, and that there's like some baboon heart putting a kid and no, it's not lamenting happened. Not Larry Kramer and the onset oh. of AIDS in the New York City community and how he was trying his best to um, you know, warn his fellow yeah. community about the dangers 
and how it was really interesting. They didn't, they did not want to listen. Uh, those um, people in that community right. who had suffered so much and were finally getting some political clout right. and some, and some uh, spotlight on, on them and what they, what they had suffered that community did not want to change their behavior because that was part of their political statement. And well, that's part of it. it, it, And and it hurt them obviously badly in the long run. That was part of, and the band played on as well. They, they touch on that in that uh, great book and many and uh, HBO movie and the band played on, I should say, I know a playwright from New York city named David Drake, whose biggest amount of success was he wrote an off Broadway play called the night Larry Kramer Kramer kissed me about being at a party with, uh, with Larry Kramer which had some success. So we give, we throw out to uh, my old friend, David Drake, uh, hopefully continuing to have success. So the only living boy in New York, you do not recommend. Oh, it's, it's terror. Well, it, who's a lot lot of good people in it. It's got uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, Pierce Brosnan, the woman who played Miranda in sex in the city, who neither Jody nor I have been able to reference her name at all. Even though we've gone back and looked at it, she ran for Congress and didn't win from New York. Um, Kate Beckinsale, not Nixon, Cynthia not Nixon, Nixon. Yes. Nixon. Okay. Cynthia Nixon, uh, Kate Beckinsale is in it. It's just, it's, it's, it's one of those where, you know, some movies are better than the, some, some of their parts. And this one was not, it was worse than the sum of its parts. I don't know if I've seen a movie with Kate Beckinsale in it. That was good. Pearl Harbor was not good. Was Serendipity horrible. was, was highly average. Yeah. Van Helsing. The first one was, was a little bit of fun. Um, but yeah, no. And normally I don't care cause she's Kate Beckinsale and you exactly. know, it's just, and <laughs> exactly. Well, it, <laughs> sorry it, if that was a little too creepy. No, 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 it, it, it's okay. But this just a, just a bad movie. Pearl Harbor, by the way. Um, uh, I remember when that came out in DVD and somebody said, I read reading about it or saw on television that it had like four and a half hours of extras. And my comment was four of those better be an apology. That's it. I just want, I, I just want, what is it? Michael Bay. Was, Michael Bay just made that crap movie to apologize to me over and over again. And, and the trailer was so much fun when you, when you had the POV sort of like Dr. Strange love of the bomb going on to the Arizona. And it was all that CGI that was all brand new. And it was like, Whoa, this is going to be great. Oh my God. And it wasn't. Oh, it was not great. It Who was, was that guy? Josh Hartnett or something? Josh Hart just killed his career. Oh, it hasn't he, worked since. He shouldn't. Have hasn't had worked a since. Career. He's at Lowe's. He's at the paint paint uh, department at Lowe's <laughs> he, he over here on Fifth. He's a nice looking fellow. He could be a model. He can somewhere. mix a can of paint. Let me tell you, Josh, Josh, Josh Hartnett, you go in there and you need, you know, you need like eggshell off white uh, flat. Josh Hartnett's the guy you want to go with. Eggshell off white flat. Boy, oh boy. That just, I, I, that just I makes don't a think he pop. aged well. No. I don't think he aged well. I think Josh Hartnett might have eaten Josh, Josh Hartnett. Ooh, really? I haven't seen him lately. So he, he did have a Tommy Lee Jones look about him, and that's really <laughs> that's, not what you that's you know, he was he was kind of like, you know, had Tommy Lee Jones actually had it come out a little better in, in the early years for Tommy Lee Jones. Anyway, but another story Tommy for Lee another Jones. day has the face he deserves as I think, well, who was it? Mark Twain. <laughs> he has the face he deserves, but it's good. He's deserves it. He's played some great character actors. My I mean, wife is here to tell time. me he hasn't played any character actors. As far as I know, my wife is here to tell me that the show's over. <laughs> she's, all right, boys, stop playing. All right. Yeah, she's right. And your little sketch. Yeah. Well, your little, your little, your little, sp- play, your little play. <laughs> Our sports show is now devolved into like, 
dissecting a 14-year-old movie and why we didn't like it. So perhaps it is time to go. So <laughs> I have to French braid his hair now. It, see, there's no respect. Four, I Jeff think Taylor. we should be seeing you French braid it during a, sh during a show, frankly. I think that would probably be higher entertainment value than what we normally we'll bring. We'll do that on the Patreon. For Jeff Taylor and Mark Ferreira, I'm John Pelkey. Thanks for listening to After Further Review. Deep Dive Part 2 on Wednesday, 1972, the year that Coast Guard Academy alumnus Kurt Knight outscored and continues to have outscored the entire Alabama Crimson Tide uh, college football program in Super Bowls. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.